And I think that that's where organizations struggle is they look at at standing up a, a, an analytics solution as as a one-time thing. I, I climbed the mountain and now I'm done. What, what am I going to do next? Like, you know, I, I've done it. Um, and, and that's, and that's where they get stuck in these doldrums of maintaining the current implementation. And it's... Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So what's going on? What's new? Uh, not a lot. I'm tired of the winter. We're, we're having stupid smarch weather. Uh, lousy smarch weather? Lousy smarch weather. I, I said that the other day. Um, and she saying it's like smarch weather, so I had to, to explain <laughs> the joke. You know, and I think of Homer Simpson, like, I'm going to lousy smarch weather. <laughs> no, I shouldn't complain, but man, it's just been, you know, we went down to Vegas for a few days and thought... You know, it'd be a nice little break, get some warm weather, and it snowed in Vegas while we were there. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I just can't get away from it. Come back, yeah. and it starts raining, and we, we had, I don't know, 18 inches of snow out on the grass, and it started raining, and it all melted. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. the bulbs started to, like, come out of the ground a little bit. I'm like, okay, this is nice. Yeah. And then it snowed again. <laughs> we, we had snow Sunday into Monday. And it started snow. So Sunday was Suzanne's baby shower and it started snowing as we we're trying to load up the cars and get all the stuff back to the house. So we were loading up the cars in the snow and then unpacking all of them um, in the snow. Wow. But it was like that heavy wet snow mm-hmm. that it snowed like that for me about two hours. You know, got got some like coating on the ground, got a couple inches on the ground and then it turned over to uh, sleet and freezing rain. So it just kind of packed it down. It was that heavy stuff. Uh, I know Boston got a foot or maybe even a little bit more. I think Todd was saying, you know, he had he was digging out from like 14 inches of snow. Uh, so we just got the the, the band that they quickly changed over. That being said, Monday, the sun came out and a majority of the snow melted then. Yeah. I'm ready for spring, man. Oh, I am too. I'm, I'm ready for, for, for spring and summer. Bring it on. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Vegas around summit time will be a little bit uh, nicer, and you'll get to enjoy some warm weather. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it because chances are it'll still be a little chilly when I take off from here. But when I land there, I'll be like in jeans and you know a sweatshirt or something like that, and you know have to get to the hotel and you know get you know get get cleaned up and put something <laughs> yeah you know, not a sweatshirt on yeah hopefully a t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. So but I'm, I'm looking forward to summit. It's going to be fun. And yeah, just getting into the warm Vegas weather. Yeah. Yeah. Should be good. Yeah. Like 25,000 people or something crazy. Exactly. Um, get to see, you know, what, what, what's new. And um, I, but I, I will say I do miss um, summit in Salt Lake. 
I know. I was just about to tweet a picture of it, but I haven't. It showed up on my um, Facebook memories from eight years ago. And even eight years ago, it was starting to get pretty large. But I had some mm -hmm. pictures that I, I took of pre-summit activities. That was always my favorite, like the day or so before everyone else showed up. Just like a core group of people would be around and we'd just hang mm -hmm. out and spend some time in the Gibson Girl Lounge at the Grand America. And it was just really yep. quiet before the craziness. Um showed up and I, I miss it. I miss that small thing. But I, you know, when I started it at Omniture, the first summits were, I, I don't even know how to describe them, you know, up at, up at the ski resort and the mountain, they were so tiny, <laughs> you know, I think mm -hmm. so Brett, Brett Gunderson, I, and I don't even know, you know what, I'm going to multitask while we're talking and look up his title. Um, director of product management, Adobe analytics at Adobe. Um, so he was giving a session and it was like a really popular session at, at my very first summit, I think. And, um, it was like, a, almost like a classroom setting. We were all sitting in desks. Um, and there were probably 18 people in the room. Mm -hmm. and that was one of the like really popular sessions. It was so oh, tiny, cool. so tiny, but cause 2011, you were just talking about 2011. That was the last year at the grand America, correct? I can't remember. Because twenty eleven, because twenty twenty eleven was the first time I went out okay. uh, for it, and I remember you know we 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 stayed at the Grand American and uh, it, it was really nice. I was like wow, blown away by like this hotel room because <laughs> typically at that time when I was traveling for work, you know, I was not getting the super nice hotel rooms. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it was it was getting like a. Um, like a comfort in kind of thing. Nothing against comfort in, but you know, yeah. no, it wasn't anywhere near like a sweet kind of room. Yeah, the Grand America's. I mean, it's by far the nicest hotel I think in in downtown Salt Lake, and it was fun having um, Summit there because when when you know like NBA teams come through or if there's like music acts in town, they usually stay at the Grand America. So I think yeah. there was one year that Ben Gaines, um, the Boston Celtics, I think were in town and Ben Gaines ran into big baby in the elevator <laughs> and got pictures with them. And I think, uh, one, I think awesome. one year, one of the NBA teams crashed the like summit bash. <laughs> I, I can't remember. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was always fun. I, I think that was the last summit that I formally attended. Um, mm -hmm. I was up in Salt Lake uh, when it moved over to the Salt Palace, but just hanging around. But I don't think as a formal attendee. Yeah. Because so. then it, I was there 2012 in the Salt Palace, and that's when I started to you know feel really big. And yeah, because I, I I do have like the memories of 2011 it being a bit more uh, intimate and just being able to, to 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 run into people, find a corner, and talk for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was that also the year of the uh, Atomic Sushi Challenge? That was 2012. 2012, okay. It, yeah, Classic. 2012 is when Randy, myself, and uh, another guy, George Trinidad, went and did that. We may have mentioned that on a previous podcast, but it's such an amazing story because before, like, you and I really even knew each other, mm -hmm. and, and this, and you were, you were working at 33 Sticks still, like, you know, that was such a a story that Randy and I would talk about all the time and we, I'd bring mm -hmm. it up. And then I think I brought it up with you and you're like, yeah, that was me. I was there. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was the ringleader. <laughs> oh, I, I was God. the one that was dead set on it. I, and I wasn't expecting anyone to do it with me. Just like, let, let's go out to dinner one night and let me go do this. Randy jumped in and then we peer pressure, you know, with, you know, via peer pressure, got George to do it. And the next day it, it was worse than a hangover. 
just because like, your, your stomach, it, it tore it apart. Yeah. Man. And the next day, like, I'm like, that was probably the worst decision I've ever made. <laughs> like, that was, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. It, it, it makes for a great story. Oh, don't get amazing story. Uh, it's, it's one of the, one of the icebreakers I, I use. Um, but, but still one of probably one of the dumbest things I've done. Understood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely getting excited for, uh, for, for, for conference time. And, um, as always, I think that makes a, a great segue into what I want to chat about today, because typically at conferences that gives a chance, whether it's the, the host company, you know, th- whether it's their conference or any of the, like the partner vendors there, this is when they debut new features, say new tools, whatever they've got coming out. And, you know, I feel like one of the things that you and I run into very often at 33 sticks, but I've also run into for, for years um, is we either have a, a company that has a tool or say a suite of tools that are, that, that are in place. And no matter how much work they put into them, the tool doesn't fit their needs, but they don't move on and find a better tool. They just continue to sink money into this tool that doesn't work or, or whatever. Um, or we have a company that switches tools and vendors the minute there's sign of, of trouble. They, they, they don't go through to say, okay, what is truly the root cause to make this tool really fit our needs? Um, so you have those two kinds of scenarios and neither of them are good or healthy. You're either sinking, sinking a ton of money into something that just will never work for you, or you don't give something a chance. And like some of say the initial bumps in the roads you have, you know, the initial bumps in the road that you have when you implement it, you don't give those a chance to settle out. Um, so really, you know, what I want to focus around and the title I'm working with with this one is, is when is the right time to switch to a new tool or vendor? Um, when, when, when should you, you consider that? Um, and when you do consider it, what should be taken into account before making a firm decision to stay with it or a firm decision to, to move on? Um, and then we to get even deeper, you know, are either of these two scenarios, um, you know, the staying too long with a tool that doesn't work or changing too frequently, uh, too frequently signs of a bigger organizational issue? Yeah, I mean, so many different um, ways that we can take this. And we should note that um, Jim's going to have to play a challenging dual role today as both moderator, interviewer and panelist, because it's just the two of us. John had yes. some uh, John had some other things to take care of, so you're gonna have to uh, both ask the questions and answer the questions this time. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I think it um, it's an interesting conversation, and like you said, we we see it a lot. So actually, let me step back and and talk about the 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 areas that we see it pop up the most. You mentioned two two of them, but maybe that will kind of start a conversation. We can go down one of those those paths. But we see several different scenarios. Um and and I don't know that any of them are really taking the full consideration um into consideration, the full impact into consideration um before making making a change. Um but it can be anything from really being forced to make a change, I guess would be a scenario we've definitely seen. So as we've seen companies that have struggled to, to make their, their revenue goals, um, you know, companies that are laying off their workforce and are cutting costs, 
um, that's definitely a, a driver, and um, that that happens a lot. In fact, the the implementation that I was the most proud of um, that I did at Spark Networks that I you know so that's where I, I worked client side for upward of six years. Um, I think that was the driver there. And it was after I had left, but, you know, I'd built what I felt was like this amazing implementation that I was proud of. The company went through and probably is still going through some really, really bad financial times. They they cut a ton of staff and their investment in analytics was one of the things that went and um, completely just ripped out everything that, that I had built. That was sad. But we've seen that happen at, at other companies and unfortunately companies that we've worked with that that's happened. So just from a pure budget standpoint, which I think that brings up a whole other conversation. So let's let's earmark that to say, you know, how how critical is analytics to your organization? So if you're in cost cutting mode and we're trying to recover from bad um, economics, bad revenue, is is analytics something we really want to be cutting? I, I don't know. You know, so that's that's another conversation. But so that's one scenario. Another scenario is what I've called like the uh, new coach scenario. So if you you think about uh, sporting organizations, uh, typically when you hire a new coach, they like to bring in their their staff, right? So you hire a new coach, all the existing assistant coaches and trainers and everything, they typically get fired or they've gone on with someone else and they'll bring in their own crew. And we've seen that as well. So I may be um, a Google Analytics shop, and we hire someone new to run our uh, analytics program, and they're a huge Adobe advocate, and they say, you know what, we're bringing in Adobe, or vice versa. We've seen it many, many times. So so that happens. Um, so that's number two. Number three would be, um, I, I, I don't have a good analogy for it, but it's it's when you get upset with the, the current the current date, right? Like it's like the current situation you have, it's really easy to be upset at everything that they do. Um, the grass is greener, you know, it's like, oh, well, if, if I was, you know, I'm on Adobe and if I was with Google, this would never happen, you know? And, and so like, usually it's just talk, but sometimes it does move over to, to action where it's like, you know what, we're, we're done with Adobe, we're moving to Google or vice versa or any other platforms. Uh, usually, <coughs> excuse me, usually the, the grass isn't greener, um, but that is definitely a driver for switching. I don't think of a really valid one, but um, is a driver for switching. Um, the most valid one that I see is just outgrowing your current solution. So we've risen to a level of maturity and we're pushing the envelope on our current solution, whether it's homegrown, whether it's a SaaS vendor, and we're just starting to run into challenges whether it's with connecting our data across our, our ecosystem or doing more advanced uh, analytics or, or doing things like personalization. And so you start thinking, maybe I need to look at buying a more sophisticated solution. That one mm -hmm. to me really is the most valid reason to make a switch. Yes. And I think that's also, if we were to kind of start to break these down, because I, I pose two different scenarios, one where they don't move on, but then one where they say move on too, too frequently. I think outgrowing a, a system, I've actually seen it, at least I feel like I've seen it where they, they've reached that point of outgrowing it, but they put so much time and money into it, they don't want to start over. So it's like, how do we continue to hack this system? So I want to come back to the outgrowing in a minute. 
because I want to dig into two of the other points that you brought up. Um, the the new coach slash general manager, and that's an analogy you and I've used many, many times. Yeah. Um, and that, that that's probably the most common, but I also want to dig into the grass is greener scenario. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because I think that those two scenarios may lead to the deeper question I asked about, you know, are these symptoms of much deeper issues within the organization? And I mean, my immediate question, my immediate response to the grass is greener scenario is absolutely. Yeah. Where there's, you know, there's always the, uh, you know, this new solution will, will solve these problems. So we need to jump to the immediate solution. And ultimately with that, I think that that's a symptom of, Either you don't have the proper skills in house, so you're the a new solution is always an answer to a problem instead of figuring out, okay, is this something we just need to architect the tool a bit more to do or or, or whatnot? Yeah, no, you you bring up a really good point, and I think it's oftentimes the output of um, lack of experience of analytics leadership in, mm-hmm. in a company uh, because it it is fairly easy to drive excitement and interest around something new. You know, we all get oh, excited, absolutely. right? Yeah, we all get excited yeah. about something new. And it's like, it's just like in, in in life, you get something new and you're excited, but that newness wears off fairly quickly. And then- Especially when the maintenance factor comes in, you know, ma- maintaining yeah. something and keeping it up. Agreed. And, you know, that's that's really what separates long-term success from, from not is, is that maintenance factor and it, and it comes into play in, in so many different things, whether you're starting a business, whether you're building a product, whether you're building a, a service within your company, it's rel- relatively easy to start and, and you're propelled by that excitement of the newness of things, but that's not what makes the difference. What makes the difference is once that excitement wears off, what are you going to do? Um, and unfortunately we've seen that, um, a problem in many, many companies where once that newness wears off uh, due to lack of experience of the analytics leadership, then they have to find a way to rebuild that excitement. So it's either, you know what, let's look at new tools. Um, let's look at re-implementing our existing tool because that may be new. But whatever the combination is, it's it's not maintaining and, and really grinding out the value in in your existing platform, it's trying to keep that that newness, right? It's trying to keep that that sense of this is the first time, and and it's just really difficult. And and I think that that unfortunately happens many many times, and it may be an unpopular belief, but I truly believe that that's what's also leading to such a high turnover rate in analytics. Is that it's really fun to like start something new, um, but once that newness wears off, it it's difficult to to really drive the value, but it's there. It just may not be as fun. I, I tend to disagree, but I've I've got to the point where I've found that actually doing something really really hard um, is where the real enjoyment is. But you have to you know switch your mindset to make that happen. But when you do, the outcomes are so much richer and more enjoyable. And and you know. Uh, again, I'm 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 rambling here, but I think that that's a huge, a huge problem that that we're dealing with, where that that newness wears off, and and then all of a sudden everything else starts looking better. You know, you could have an amazing platform, um, and there's so many good analytics platforms out there today. Um, 
in the enterprise space, in, you know, in the startup space, whatever you're looking for, you can find uh, a platform that is is really good for your your business and needs. But it doesn't matter how good they are. You know, once you get in there and you start having to grind things out, the grass does start looking greener. Like, oh man, that other girl looks so much cuter over there, and I bet she's so much less maintenance than the one I have now, right? And so you start thinking, maybe I should make that switch. So. So as far as the, the maintenance piece goes, because I, I think that's where a lot of organizations struggle with this. Because let, let's face it, maintenance is, can be mundane. It can be boring. Um, what, um, what are maybe some scenarios where you've come across where it's like you're coaching an organization through um be, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, being excited about maintaining the current solution. I think it's uh, a, I think it's a change in, in perspective, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. And if, if they're looking at it as, as maintenance and we've completed what we set out to do, it's going to be really hard to, to like get them to where they want to be. So from my perspective and when I'm talking to organizations, I try to change the conversation from, from maintenance to a conversation around um, becoming the very best at, at what you do. And, and by that, I mean, just because we've accomplished X doesn't mean we're done. And now we're just gonna mm -hmm. maintain X. It's, there's more to mastery of what we're trying to do. Um, so I just watched, as a side note, um, Free Solo last night. Oh, someone else was telling me about that this morning. I, I put it on my list to watch. So it, it was like 90 minutes of um, like my hands and feet dripping with sweat and probably my heart rate <laughs> elevated. Oh my, I was so nervous the whole time. Um, Anxiety by proxy. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy. Um, <laughs> but um, so, you know, he, th this guy, and I'm not going to give away the story, the, the full story, but he's a, he's a free climber. He doesn't climb with ropes and um, he's, climbed I, a countless number of, of, um, of, of rock walls um, solo and without ropes. And he, his biggest one was, was El Cap. And it's one that had never been free climbed before. Um, but he didn't start there. He started, started on other walls. And if, if we were to say, well, we rolled out our enterprise analytics solution and now we're done, would be like him saying, well, I climbed this small little rock wall down in Utah, so now I'm done climbing. You know, mm -hmm. that that never was going to satisfy me. He's like, no, that was just one thing I wanted to conquer. And even that one thing, I didn't do it as well as I wanted to do. So I'm going to do it 15 more times. Then I'm going to move on to another one and another more challenging one. And I think that that's where organizations struggle is they look at, at standing up a, a, an analytics solution as, as a one-time thing. I, I climbed the mountain and now I'm done. What, what am I going to do next? Like, ha, you know, I, I've done it. Um, and, and, that's, and that's where they get stuck in these doldrums of maintaining the current implementation. And it's, um, it is, it's very, very challenging if you look at it that way. But if you look at it as I'm trying to achieve mastery of analytics, there's no way you can be done without that one time, right? Because mm -hmm. that one time wasn't good enough. You're going to have to redo that one time multiple times, but that's just one mountain. There are other mountains out there to climb. And so um, that's, that's really how I talk to organizations as like, let's look at this more as mastery. And this is just one mountain we're looking at. And to be honest with you, this is one of the less technical challenges we've overcome. There's a lot more difficult ones out there. Let's aim for that. And, you know, if we can kind of 
put a, a pitch in for how we look at things at 33 sticks, you know, we've, we've rolled out this, um, this methodology with our clients that we call the matrix that is focused on absolutely that. So if you think about how we look at that, not only are there multiple mountains in that matrix, there are multiple paths in each mountain. And so just because we've done it one way, doesn't mean we've done it all the ways that we need to do it. And just because we've conquered one mountain doesn't mean we've conquered all of the mountains. And so mm -hmm. if you look at it that way, it really changes the conversation from, okay, I've bought something really, really cool. Now I just have to focus on maintaining it to, okay, now I'm doing something that's really, really difficult and I have to keep doing it over and over again and finding different challenges so that I can reach a level of mastery that, that is going to make me fulfilled and is going to make the company much more successful. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the term there, mastery. Um, I haven't necessarily used that, so I'm, I'm going to add that to, uh, to the vocabulary and how best to, to describe it because I've gone in with a few clients and early on set the expectation that the implementation is never done. We're going to set some initial milestones that we need to, to hit to say, okay, the basics are up and running. The key items that you want to measure are up and running, but we're never done. Um, and going forward where we, um, you know, we want to get involved with product. That That's the best way to, at least I found like one, I don't want to say best way. That's, that's probably too, too strong. But one yeah. good way I found is, is, you know, describing, you know, building a relationship with product that, that does keep your key stakeholders excited so that you're, you're involved with product and analytics is a key portion of new features that, that, that that's coming out. Um, but yeah, I do like the term mastery. I'm, I'm going to add yeah. that to and, my and, list of words to use. And I think it's such <laughs> an important way to look at it because until you start to strive for mastery, I don't think you're really in a great position to question what the right tool is for you to have. So think about things that you're passionate about. So for me, it's, it's cooking. Uh, for other people, it may be sports, you know, maybe playing baseball or hockey or soccer or whatever, or maybe painting or maybe who knows what, right? But think about the thing that you're really passionate about um, and think about how you've matured in that over time. And, and if you can project yourself backwards, were you in a place to really understand what tools were best for you? Now, you probably were more sucked into like what other people were doing and marketing to, to buy your initial tools. But so I'm going to use cooking. When I first started cooking, you know, I had some ideas of what tools I wanted and what I needed, but I had no mastery. And so it was really just, you know, what looks cool, what other people are using, what, uh, what marketing is telling me to use. Um, but now that I've been cooking for like, geez, I don't know how many, many years, I've learned what works for me, you know, I've, uh, I've achieved a certain level of mastery and things where I can say, you know what, for me, like a certain high invent hood in my kitchen is really, really important. And here's why, because of these things, mm -hmm. you know, or because of a certain cuisine I cook, this type of knife is really, really important to me. But I wouldn't know that until I've achieved some level of mastery with my skill to say, okay, this is the right tool set for me and what I'm trying to accomplish. And I think that's really, you know, bringing it back to your initial question, talking about when's the right time to switch, that to me is the right time. Um, all the other things are, are the wrong time. And, and we may not have as much control, especially with the first scenario I laid out. If, you know, we're cutting costs and blah, 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 blah fine you know if if by all means we're like hanging on to our last thread and if we you know have to it's either 
it's either get rid of analytics or close down the company. Okay, let's have that conversation. But for yeah. most scenarios, it really should be about have we invested the time to achieve a level of mastery where we can, with a very educated decision, choose what tools we're going to use. And again, unfortunately, that's not the case most of the times. It's it's either out of um, it's either out of frustration. I'm frustrated with my current vendor, and so I'm switching. And we do that in our personal life all the time, right? Like I hate my cell phone company. Everyone else is better. You know, I'm like mm-hmm. it's not. You know, I hate my cable provider. Everyone else is better. They're not. Right? You're gonna switch, and like three months mm-hmm. down the road, the honeymoon period is gonna be over, and you're gonna be frustrated again. Um, and not saying switching is a, is a bad thing, but again, it should come from a place of I've achieved a certain level of mastery and now I can make an educated decision to, to select a set of tools that best align with my needs, um, as a practitioner, as a business. And, and that's really where I think the discussion should center. Um, so a funny personal story here, you were just talking about switching vendors in your personal life and you mentioned cable company. We, my wife and I, we definitely fell victim to that. Um, so had one cable provider and it was decent. It got, it got the job done. We had the, the TV channels that we wanted, you know, all the services that we wanted, but we fell victim to the shiny object syndrome with another competitor in the market. They have voice activated remote, the really cool new dashboard, all of those kind of things. And we switched and at first it was great, but then we started to notice with, the, you know, where we're at in relation to their network at peak times, like in the morning and in the evening, key channels were cutting out. I am talking like ABC, NBC, CBS. So my wife would have the news on in the morning as, as we're both getting ready to head out and the, the, the channel would cut out. And, you know, we call to get it resolved. And ultimately it just, it couldn't be resolved just based on you know the, the, the way the network was. And the, the solution was always, well, let's have someone come out. They'd come out and look and, oh, everything's fine. I'm like, I, of course it's fine. You just put it in place six months ago. You know, it, it's not like this has been up for 10 years and now this problem's starting. So we ended up moving back to who we had before. And yeah, it, it yeah, I, I can think of like the, the shiny object and, Oh, there's this neat little gadget, but at, at the roots, it just it, it just didn't work. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's very easy to to do. And uh, again, I think that tends to be the um, the norm in in businesses when it comes to switching tools. And and it's it's frustrating because if you think about switching cable providers or things in your personal life, there's a cost to it, um, but relatively low. That's not the case with, you know, enterprise level software. If you're making a switch, it's going to be very, very expensive. Not yes. not just the upfront cost of actually doing the switch, but everything that it impacts. So, you know, now we're, we've had several podcasts where we've talked about the importance of optimizing the customer experience and integrating tools across the MarTech stack. And, you know, all of these things are now interconnected. How do we rebuild all that? We've rebuilt, we've, you know, we've established a certain level of experience and expertise with the current setup. So now we're going to have to take a, a little step back and redevelop that on a new platform. And so we lose a little bit of innovation time and, and um, efficiency. Uh, so there's, there's a big cost to making the switch. And again, not to say that you shouldn't make a switch, but you should do it for the right reasons. And the wrong reasons are I'm angry at my current vendor. 
you know, the grass is greener on the other side. Uh, all my friends are using this other cool platform that, you know, has really fun commercials and marketing. The sales guy for this other vendor tells a really great story. All wrong reasons. Those are the absolute wrong reasons to switch. The right reasons are I've really invested in, and I'm going to keep hammering on this term until people tell me to shut up, mastery, right? Like if we've, we've, we've really invested at becoming masters of our craft and we've achieved a certain level of mastery. And now we're in a position to say, in order to get to that next more technical peak that I want to accomplish, unfortunately, the tools I have now aren't good enough. And I'm in a position to be able to say that because I've done this hundreds of times and I know exactly which tools I need to get to that more um, difficult challenge. And now I can go out and get that tool. But man, I, I've seen that happen very, very rarely. I, do, I don't know about you. It just, it doesn't happen because most organizations don't reach that level of mastery. And I think a big part of it is, is the turnover. Um, yes. Because the, right, the, the knowledge and that experience does not stay within companies. And maybe this should probably be a separate podcast. We should talk about some ideas around how we, we combat that and help keep knowledge in, in companies, but with the turnover problem, you know, the experience, the mastery leaves and you have to start over, you know, based on where the next person's mastery level comes in. And it's really challenging. And, and that's actually, that was good. Cause one of the things I wanted to, to, to focus on for a few minutes is the lack of, of analytics leadership, because I think a lot of the wrong, le you know, and you mentioned this earlier, a lot of the wrong reasons we've listed uh as far as you know reasons to move to a new platform ultimately boil down to lack of analytics leadership whether it's there's not a strong leader there so analytics is the first item that's cut when there's cost cutting instead of okay let's hold on to this for as long as we can um the you know you have that that turnover so there's always someone coming in and putting their stamp on it and we spent a whole episode talking about that yeah um you know it, there's ultimately keys there. So, you know, as an organization, um, what do you think are some some ways? And again, this is something we're never going to be able to answer because obviously this is a problem. But let, let's at least broach the the topic of you know, how do you build out strong analytics leadership so you don't fall victim to say the shiny object syndrome. Someone has a four or five year plan in place. Well, I think it has to start with people. Um, and, and setting the proper expectations. And, and part of it is honestly elevating digital within the organizations. And I think we're starting to see that happen. Um, I saw a report, was it eMarketer? I'll, I'll have to go track it down. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, that says that this year they believe their forecasting is the first year in which digital ad spend will outpace traditional. Mm, okay. And to me, I see that as a potential tipping point where hopefully um, digital gets a bigger seat at the table in organizations. And digital overall, I think, has. But in many organization analytics, specifically digital analytics, hasn't. So if you look at the, a lot of, of companies that we've had the opportunity to see, um, not a lot of them have a voice at the C-level, at the executive level in organizations. Um, they're they're kind of capped within marketing. And um, I think that has to be a change in order to get stronger leadership into 
digital analytics roles or analytics roles overall is it needs to be set set at a higher level within the organization that you know it doesn't matter how strong of a leader you bring in if you if you artificially keep them down in the organization their influence is is going to be minimized now if they're a really strong leader they can overcome some of that but if they don't have the support of the company to sit at the higher levels within the organization it's always going to be a challenge so i think that's that's number one um and then number two is identifying the right type of of leaders to come in and, and drive that change and we've had the opportunity to work with some companies that have done that and we've seen other companies from afar that have done that but i think all too often many companies struggle with hiring in this space and they don't know who to hire right and so um they hire a a really great implementer and say, okay, you're now director of analytics. It's like, well, you're really good at implementing solutions. So therefore you should have a, you know, really strong grasp of, of strategy and where we want to, it's not always the the case, right? Mm -hmm. Like instead of hiring like a really strong practitioner, you should hire someone that's an analytics leader. But, but again, I think organizations have a real challenge when trying to hire for this space. So they're just kind of grasping it at what they can get. Uh, so in, you know, in that sense, there's still a long way that we have to go from a maturity and mastery standpoint of getting the right level of leadership in, in companies. But I think if we do, it starts to solve a lot of problems. I think it, it definitely helps solve some of the leadership problems. Um, it, it definitely helps solve some of the problems around turnover Look at, I, I'm not going to name names, but I think you and I know of a certain company that we work with that has had really strong leadership for a long time, like many, many years, five plus years. Um, and just look at the difference in that level of leadership and other companies we've worked with where the manager of director analytics has turned over every 18 to 24 months. You know, there's a huge... There's a full reset. Yeah, it's a full reset, and the gap between like those leadership skills is is huge. Um, and so, hiring for those right skills, I think, is is really really important. But again, I, it's it's something that companies have just not achieved a level of mastery of identifying the right level of leadership required for analytics to properly drive a program. And we're seeing it's getting it's getting better. We are seeing some really mm -hmm. good examples, but still something lots of companies struggle with. And you know, I've. Uh, I've had the opportunity. I've, I'm fairly transparent and open on social about how we work and operate. And that causes people to feel really comfortable reaching out to me saying, hey, I'm in this situation. I have this challenge. Can we talk? And a lot of times it's really, really big companies. And they're, and they're saying things like, can I just pick your brain for five minutes about how we hire a, a VP of, of analytics? I'm like, you're massive company. Why with billions of revenue? You're asking me, <laughs> right? But mm -hmm. they, it's really hard. They don't know how to do it. Yeah, and I, th I think then the other part of the problem too is uh, you're looking at a company that's trying to find the right person to make sure they retain them for, for a long period of time because th it is a challenge making sure that they don't rapidly move on. Um, but then on the flip side too is you have that kind of person come into an organization and then they have an organization that doesn't necessarily see the value so then they have an uphill battle in evangelizing the not just analytics but just data overall the data yeah. integrity how that feeds multiple systems and 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 how it has a direct impact on revenue yeah and and i and i think that and i know our topic is is when to switch tools but i think we've uncovered an even more valuable topic that really plays into that in that if if 
companies really want to get the maximum return out of these investments they're making in analytics or or said a different way to get the maximum return of what they can get out of running um, a, a good analytics program within their company, it comes down to um, being focused on on mastery. And that's like a completely different mindset than we see in, in most companies. Again, you know, it's how quickly can we stand up a solution? How quickly can we do X? And it's not focused on the, the nuances of really mastering your craft. And, and I think it's just a sign of maturity. Uh, again, think about anything that, that you've done in your life or things that you were interested about. When you start off, it's like you want to go a million miles an hour and explore every little thing. And it's, it's new and it's exciting. And, and most things just kind of drop off when that newness wears off. And, and we see that with analytics. But those things that have stuck... The excitement is, isn't about the maintenance necessary of it, isn't about the newness of it, but it's about those little nuances of mastery that from the outside may look mundane, may look boring, but as a practitioner of someone who's trying to achieve a high level of mastery, that's where the true passion and value and excitement of what you're doing really starts to come into play. So I think it's a, it's a massive shift in mentality that mastery of analytics is really where we want to be at and let that inform switching tools selecting the right tools building the right team rather than just being caught up in this immaturity is really the best way you can describe it of just being excited about what we're doing in something new that's easy it's easy yeah, to be excited to open about a new that. box yeah so you get you get lots of people starting new things you know, if we're going back to the mountain climbing analogy, lots of people get excited about that and start off and do a climb here and there. Very few people break through that wall, no pun intended, um, <laughs> to to really get to the point of finding the sheer enjoyment and exhilaration and ultimately getting to the top of the game through achieving um, a level of mastery. That's really what separates world class from everybody else. And then kind of on the flip side, too, we, we haven't touched on this too much, but I, I, I don't know if we have much more to add to it. But like on the flip side being the time to actually switch. Yeah. You know, you've out, you've outgrown the tool. And I think, you know, us talking about the lack of, say, analytics leadership or data governance leadership within your organization, um, you know, constantly switching tools. I think also the lack of leadership there also leads to just constantly piling money, time, resources, effort into a system that that, that no longer works. Yeah. If you have if, if you don't have the the proper leadership, they can't push up the organization. It's like, okay, we've outgrown this. It's time to move on. It, it, this is actually when we need to, to to make the investment in the next step or the the the, the tool that's the next level up. Yeah, and I think that's where making an informed decision about what's the true cost of switching, how long is it going to take for us to um, get back to a level where we're efficient again? Because it is, it, it takes time. You don't, you don't go from one tool to the other and pick up exactly where you were. It doesn't matter how great the new tool is, there's a learning curve. And there's, there's downtime. So you, you, you are going to take a step backwards. So having the proper leadership to help figure out that equation of the true cost of switching and is the, are the efficiencies we're going to gain and the level of mastery we go, we're going to be able to achieve higher that are going to justify that. 
I mean, that that's really the thought process that you need to go through. And on a much smaller level, I, I recently switched um, email platforms. So I switched my day-to-day, I switched from uh, Google Mail, Gmail, which has been my, my go-to for my work email for five plus years, um, to a new platform called Superhuman. And the there was a learning curve to it. And for the first week, it was so much slower. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is frustrating me. But I knew, and I had, you know, got to a certain level of understanding of how I use email that I had capped, you know, what I could do in Gmail. And I'm like, it's just taking far too much time for me to manage my inbox. So I'm going to make a switch to superhuman. And I know it's going to be difficult for the first week because it's going to be a learning curve and I'm going to actually be slower than I was before. But I know after that first week, I'm going to achieve a certain level of efficiency that's going to pay off. Right. And, and now I'm at that point where it's like, I can't even think about doing it in Gmail. I'm so much faster in this new platform. And, and the same is, is true for analytics or any other platform, you know, is you have to be at a certain place where you can make that educated decision to say, you know what, we've done some amazing things with Google Analytics. Um, we've reached a point where in order to get to the level of mastery we want to get to, we believe we need to switch over to the Adobe Experience Cloud. And we're, gonna, we're going to bring in analytics and audience manager and target. And it's probably going to be a step back for six to nine months in our organization. And that's going to have some cost because it is going to slow things down. It's going to be some additional cost for us to get there. But in month 12, the graph just goes off the chart because we're now not only, you know, more efficient in climbing the current mountain we're on, we can we can tackle some much more technical things that or tactical things that we couldn't do before. Um, and so and and and, the, and it could be on the other foot. I'm not I'm not saying that Google to Adobe is the natural trans transition. It could be Adobe to Google. It could be um, it could be Google to Snowplow. It could be who knows. Like it, you know, it's less important to me about the the product because it's more that product offering should be more aligned to your business needs and challenges and not a one size fits all. Here's the progression in analytics maturity. So I don't want any of the Google fanboys jumping on me for saying that. That's that's not what I intended. Um, but it needs to come from a place of being informed. Of I know how this works. I'm now in a position to say. I need to move to tool X because it's going to give me the best possible um, scenario to achieve the level of mastery for, for myself and my organization that I'm looking for. And that has to, again, come out of a place of experience and not out of a place of I'm frustrated with my current provider. The grass is greener on the other side. All the cool kids are using this other solution. Not good reasons to be making a switch. Yep. It, it, it's actually slowing down and not falling into, you know, some kind of, like, um, you know, being pulled into some kind of faster pace by someone else, whether that's, you know, a sales rep, someone in the organization saying we need an answer to this. It's actually slowing down the situation. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's, that's hard to do. We, we like to run fast, but um, again, I, I hate to come keep coming back to sports analogies because I can just. I was imagine. about to use one. <laughs> <laughs> I could just imagine some of our readers or some of our listeners saying, "Enough with the sports ball!" But there's so many <laughs> there's so many good analogies to it, and um, one of the things in 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 mastery of of athletics is they say that the game starts to slow down for you, and and I was never a top athlete. Um, I. 
I couldn't make the jump from high school to collegiate athletics, um, but I played uh, I played tennis um, in high school. I was uh, I made it to number two ranking. So in tennis, you have five people on a team. Um, you have the top three singles players, and then you have well, no seven people. Top three um, singles players, and then two teams of doubles players. Oh, nice. Um, and and that's your ranking one through seven mm-hmm. determines where you sit. So I I made it to number two. Oh, that's um, cool. And uh, my senior year, it like it did, like things just, the, the whole processing slowed down for me and I could see it at a much different speed. And they say that about quarterbacks in football or point guards in basketball, right? Like as you've achieved a certain level, um, the game just slows down for you and you see things and can process things so much faster and better. Uh, I, you know, I think that's, that's true in this, this, this situation as well as you've, if you've, as you've achieved that certain level of mastery, things just start to slow down and you're able to take a much more and better pers- um, view of your environment and make that decision rather than making a rash. Okay, there's a 300 pound linebacker coming at me. I just got to throw the ball. You know, that's yeah. the, that's the, I'm just going to switch providers choice instead of saying, okay, mm-hmm. I see him coming. I'm going to step back and let him run by me. And then I'm going to make a choice of who to throw to. That's, that's the smart way to do it. Yeah. No. And I was thinking of that same, <clears throat> excuse me, analogy where watching the NHL, Peter Forsberg, um, he was probably the best at that. You could just watch him and he, you, you could tell he slowed the game down to the pace that he needed it and he was two thoughts ahead of anybody else. And he was the absolute best at doing that. And I mean, I use it just on a very micro level with it, you know, with myself when things start to get crazy um in the form of just requests coming in for you know from clients from other work that needs to get done it's like you know the natural tendency is to to speed up and rush and try to get as much done but trying to actually slow it down it's like you know imagine yourself as that athlete that can slow it down read the defense and know exactly what to do and be two steps ahead of somebody it's it's true and you know i'm a you know, I'm a huge, I uh, was a huge uh, Avalanche fan. Mm-hmm. So I got to watch a lot of Peter Forsberg. But yeah, you're, you're right. Um, and and it, is, it is the organizations that, that we've seen that are, are really doing things from a high level, from an analytics perspective, that's where they get to. And uh, if that's, you know, if you can get to that point and, and we can have a really... Um, informed discussion about the right tool sets for the organizations those are the conversations I, I love to have and and honestly I think the vendors would as well um, you know love to have that conversation from a very informed perspective I think all of us get frustrated having that conversation where it's just rash decision making so you know how do we get there you know we're, we're talking a lot and you you know we're kind of running out of time on on this episode um, but maybe that's a follow-up like it is. How do we get to that level of mastery so we're not having this discussion of, you know, why are companies making rash, rash decisions to switch tools? And, you know, how do we get to a place of mastery so if we are making those decisions, it's from a very informed place? Mm-hmm. I'm just making a note here. You know, we're, we're, we'll definitely follow up on that one because I think it, that, that's a conversation in and of itself. And, I think that's also one where it's everyone's going to have their their own way of doing it. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll be a good follow up one. Yep, for sure. So how do we want to wrap this one up? I think this is 
been good. I think, you know, it's, uh, it was a little challenging to, to not have a third, a third person in the conversation. So this is kind yeah. of new. Hope, hope the cadence was good for everyone. And, and just as a little insight for those who are listening, this is the first time that we're actually doing this on video, um, internally so we can see each other. And that's added a different level of dynamic. It's almost like going back to some of our first episodes where there was a little, I'm a little more nervous recording this episode, knowing <laughs> that we can see each other as we're recording. <laughs> No, actually, I, I find, found it to be a bit better. Um, I think that there was a bit smoother of a flow with it. Uh, so, you, you know, you want to talk about switching tools. We're actually piloting a new one recording this episode yeah. uh, that integrates video during the conversation. And I mean, so far, I, I liked it. Um, I, yeah. I think it, it made the flow easier. It made the transition easier and it made the back and forth easier because I know at times when before, you know, in, in previous episodes, like we'd be waiting to see who was going to jump yeah. in and, and, and answer. <laughs> yeah, well, we, uh, we didn't have those nonverbal cues because we couldn't yeah. see each other. And, you know, I'm in Utah, you're in Philly, John's in Bangkok, and we're just hearing voices. So, you know, that's some of those pauses in the conversation is we're just trying to not step over each other. And I think one of the things we're trying to accomplish with this podcast is just have natural communication. And the goal for the video was we thought it might be fun that some weird people that are our listeners may want to see us talk. And so we were going to throw a feed at some point in the future on YouTube if they wanted to see a behind the scenes of the recording. But I actually think the more valuable um, the more value coming out of this is the fact that this is hopefully going to enhance that natural conversation because now there's not this, I say something, you say something, I say something, you know, we're kind of blending into each other because we can t pick up on those nonverbal cues. So, yeah, no, definitely. And I think here's how, here's how we wrap it up. So, you know, we're, we're using, and it's just purely by coincidence, by the way, Th this was, yeah. this was not planned. It was, <laughs> it's been something on my list to look into. Um, but really, I think it goes back to like, when's the time to switch the switch tools and the previous recording tool, you know, got the job done when we were getting started. Yeah, because we're coming up on a year of, Has it been a of year? doing this uh, May. Dude, that's crazy. And we've it stuck is. to doing an episode every Friday. That's that should be a, that should be celebrated. That's consistency. That's pretty cool, for sure. <laughs> yeah, consistency. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, Mastery. I'm planning. <laughs> I'm, I'm planning out what we're going to talk about uh, during that, that anniversary episode. Um, but no, I, kind of coming back to it, you know, I, I was actually thinking of this podcast when you were talking about mastery earlier. I mean, my God, I can't even listen to the first couple episodes because they're <laughs> just like, you, you could tell like the minute the record button was hit, we climbed it, up. <laughs> we, 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 we became way too serious about yeah. it. And that was not the goal. The whole genesis of this was we have some really fun conversations. I wonder if people will listen to it if we were to record it. Uh, but then we finally started to feel, you know, get a nice flow down, but then still we wanted to get even better. It was never saying, okay, what we're, what, what we've done up till now is the best we're going to do It's where do we go from here? And I'm like, we need to find a way to even be more natural. So let's put an item on our list to look for tools that can integrate video for, 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 for two different reasons, like you were saying, the video feed, um, but then also just, you know, helping with the, the recording session. Yeah. So I think that to, we could wrap it up with this example where we just didn't switch tools because there was something that looked great. Because we did. We did pilot a couple other tools early on, and we just found that, like, there, you know, every remote podcast recording tool I found has its own set of bugs and quirks and whatever. Mm -hmm. We just didn't switch because one was say shinier than the other. 
we actually, I, I think, um, you know, we're, we're looking to move to this new recording tool purely because it, it gives us greater functionality where we can take this podcast, I think, you know, and, and further, further refine it. Yeah, for sure. I think, again, it was unplanned, but I think a really good coincidence that we're on this, mm -hmm. this new tool today, because it, you know, I think it, it highlights the way that we think and what our recommendation is, is that to your point, we didn't just switch to switch. We didn't switch because we were upset at our other platform or this new one has some cool, shiny new features. It's we've been doing this for a year every week and sometimes recording multiple times a week. And we've achieved a certain level of mastery with, with doing this. And that's not to say we don't have a long way to go. We do, but we're in a much better position to make an informed choice on selecting a tool that will help us get to that next summit that we're, we're after. Mm -hmm. So great way to wrap it up. Yep. Cool. So we'll go ahead and, uh, wrap it up at that point and uh, we'll catch everybody later. Thanks, Jim. Miss you, John. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents Podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.